Welcome back to the Future is Green podcast. Today we are joined by Bella Alampi, a certified holistic health coach who helps her clients improve their lives through improved health. As a former D1 lacrosse player at Lafayette, Bella knows firsthand about the most efficient fuel and recovery methods and is here to share her expertise with us today. How has your macronutrient goals changed based on your season status? So when I was a college athlete and honestly, when I was in college, I just really was focused on protein and like making sure I was getting enough protein to like keep muscle on my body, stay injury free. Um, Actually, I've gotten way more into tracking my nutrition, building nutrition goals, all of that, and actually learning more about nutrition in general post-grad. And that's just because it kind of was like my interest. I do think like some programs now like do have a lot more uh, information available for their athletes. But I would say that if you're in season, you want to make sure your protein intake is pretty high and your carb intake is pretty high because you're expending a lot of energy. So you want to make sure that you're replenishing that energy, AKA the carb intake. And then you are going to be breaking down your muscle with the workouts that you're doing, like whether that be games, lifts, conditioning, et cetera. And you want to rebuild that muscle through protein. Um, I would say out of season, you still want to make sure your protein goals are pretty high. It's by far the most important macronutrient as far as muscle growth and muscle protein synthesis. Um, but I, I think that you could balance out your carbon fat a little bit more versus when you're in season um, or if, you know, you're not a quote unquote like athlete that's playing like an organized sport and you're just training on your own. Um, I would definitely say on even like days that you have higher exercise or you're moving your body a lot more, you want to make sure that your carbon intake is a little higher versus the other two and kind of how that would vary. So you mentioned that you have gotten more into nutrition since Mm -hmm. leaving college. What was the nutrition education? What did that look like when you were actually playing in college? And how do you hope that can be shaped in the future to maybe provide more nutrition education? Or what did that look like for you? Yeah, honestly, I literally was having this conversation the other day. I was like, I wish I knew then what I knew now, because I think I would have been in such a better spot um, to perform. And honestly, and not everybody had like a super clean diet. Like I said, there was definitely an emphasis on like fuel with protein after lift, make sure that you're eating after practice, like before a game, make sure you're eating like a bagel or pasta the night before like carbs, but there was nothing really around like clean nutrition or like the best way to really fuel yourself. Um, and even post game and post practice, like some people had to like rush off to go take an exam. If it was like a morning practice or, you know, some people would be like going home to visit family after a game, if we had a Sunday off on a Saturday, uh, like after a Saturday game. Um, so there wasn't a ton of like available information. I feel like you really had to kind of go and look for it on your own. Um, so that's something that I would like highly suggest is even just getting like a team nutritionist or even having like somebody that's like a health coach like myself or somebody who's certified in nutrition, or at least knows a little bit about it to even like come in and just have like a brief talk with the team, like before, season or during preseason or when they first step on campus, like something like that, um, to at least have some guidance about like the best way to proceed forward with nutrition and how it can really fuel and make you better outside of just your sport itself and moving your body for that sport. So now that it sounds like you have more nutrition awareness and a deeper interest post-college, what is the best pre-workout snack and post-workout recovery snack that you suggest if not um, exercising right before or after a meal? 
Yeah, so this question is kind of nuanced, and I'll tell you why. So everybody is bio-individual, and kind of what that means is everybody's going to be different. So some people might wake up in the morning and train super well fasted and love to train on an empty stomach. They feel sick or they don't like feel heavy, you know what I mean? So they might feel great going in fasted. Um, some people need a little bit of something to like boost them, and in that case, I would recommend primarily a food that's a little bit higher in carb, something with like probably natural sugar. I'm going to re recommend fruit in most cases um, and low in fiber to not cause gastric distress. So what that can look like would be probably like banana and a nut or seed butter of your choice or like one half of a bagel with grass-fed butter or jelly of some sort or um, like a clean uh, protein bar, something like that that's like not going to cause you to be super full, um, but is going to give you the energy and power that you need to proceed with your workout. Um, again, like I said, I would recommend that for those who prefer to train fasted to make sure they're at least having electrolytes because that can help boost their workout as well and also make sure that their body is ready and prepared for that. Um, as far as post-workout, um, what I would say for that is protein, protein, protein. You want to make sure the first thing that you have post-workout is a super high meal, super high in protein. Um, depending on the intensity of the workout, that can also be high carb, but I would say essentially the carb and the, and the healthy fat should be balanced. So um, what that can look like is maybe like a salmon salad with sweet potatoes cooked in olive oil and you dress it all, dress the salad in olive oil. Um, another good example would be like a protein shake and you add a little bit of a nut and seed butter in there for the healthy fat. Um, just making sure that you're consuming a high protein meal with healthy carbs, um, in order to replenish what you've kind of depleted. That all sounds so great. And I guess a key takeaway would be in addition to obviously optimizing protein, which we all know is important, right? Not to fear carbs. They can be mm -hmm a friend <laughs> no without a doubt and again I think everybody's very different like some people thrive on low carb diets but it should be something that you feel good doing and carbs are without a doubt your friend you need carbs um they're what energize you they're what help replenish your muscles after a really tough workout if you're a runner carbs are 1000% your friend they're going to help you run and perform um and even those who go on certain diets, like you're, you're going to feel more tired. You're not going to perform as well. Your body's going to feel depleted. It's the carbs are 1000% your friend. And I think they get a really bad rap, but it's all about the carbs that you choose as well. You want to make sure that you're, they're accompanied by fiber, that they're complex carbs. Um, so again, like potatoes, uh, sweet potatoes, rice, stuff like that. Those are all great examples of healthy carbs. Um, and then you want to pair that with something with fiber, like a vegetable, like vegetables are technically carbs, um, which we all know vegetables are very good for you and you should include more of them in your diet. So I think that the fear mongering around carbs is something that is not super valid and needs to, needs to end. I totally agree. We know that overtraining can be detrimental and effective recovery is essential for sporting success. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how you optimize the recovery stress state by giving us insight into what a typical day in your life looks like? For sure. So I'll go through a typical day in my life on a high intensity training day. And then we're like, I'm doing a long workout we can, or a, a couple workouts. And then a day where I have an active recovery day where I'm still moving my body, but in maybe like a lower intensity way. 
So, um, first off, sleep. Sleep by far is the best reco recovery mechanism that you can utilize. Um, whether you're super active, not active, um, minimally active, like my, any, any kind of activity that you have, optimize your sleep. And that's getting at least, I would say at least seven to nine hours per night. Uh, like right in that sweet spot is the best if you can get eight, eight to 10. Um, but realistically, like at least making sure that you're in bed for eight hours asleep for seven. Um, from there, so say I, and I'm pretty, pretty like strict about my sleep regimen. Um, so say I get up in the morning on Sundays, I do my long runs. I love to run it's mental and physical health. Um, so let's say I go and I do a really long run where I'm going to be super tired. I'm on my feet for a long time. Um, and I need to be recovered for a workout the next day. I don't have the next day off. What that would look like would be coming home, making sure I'm having a high protein meal because that will actually aid in recovery. From there, a couple other recovery mechanisms that I use are um, hot Epsom salt baths, which I'll take usually at night before bed, um, a cold shower because it helps with muscle recovery. And then in addition to that, sometimes I'll try and get red light therapy. If I can't get that in, um, I always make sure that I put my legs up on the wall before going to sleep. So that drains inflammation from the day. Um, it's an inversion pose technically. So it actually helps with sleep as well. It helps boost circulation. Um, it's something really easy that everybody can do to actually help their body recover. And then I'd say on top of that is actually making sure that you're still moving your body. So you kind of come home and don't move around at all. Your muscles are going to get super sore faster. And then if you want to make sure that you're moving your body to help get rid of that lactic acid that builds up from a workout. Um, what I also do, and this is something that you don't necessarily have to have access to. There's a lot of ways you can like do this at home, but I go to a wellness center that does contrast therapy. So it's an infrared sauna and a cold plunge. You, we, we do intervals back and forth. So I'll do two and a half minutes in the cold plunge, 20 minutes in the sauna, two and a half minutes in the cold plunge, 20 minutes in the sauna, three minutes in the cold plunge. And what's the, what that does is it boosts recovery. Um, it helps you sleep better, boost metabolism, helps with muscle recovery, again, lymphatic drainage. It kind of like hits almost every part of your bodily processes um, to help you recover. So what you can do at home, if you like, if your gym doesn't have that or you can't access um, a center like that, you can literally do that with either a cold shower and then turning the water hot or having a hot bath ready or a cold tub ready and then just flipping the water back and forth. Um, it's it's not going to be as you know ideal as one of those situations where you're doing the contrast therapy that's kind of set up that way, but it still will have benefits. Um, another really big uh, item that I do is I take magnesium to help out with recovery as well. Um, it can help with joints, bone, and muscle growth, as well as helping with recovery for sleeping. So those are probably my big takeaways like in general, as well as on a heavy intensity day. Um, on a lower or moderate intensity day, I like work. So, okay. So typically like on either like a Monday or a Friday, I just, I just go for like a two mile walk and that's my workout for the day to recover in that instance. I keep it pretty similar, but I maybe don't take as drastic measures as, um, doing the contrast therapy or, um, making sure I hit the red light. I'll just go for a walk, come back, 
have a protein rich meal, make sure I'm hitting my protein intake for the day and then make sure I get a good sleep and then put my legs up on the wall before sleep. Um, but I think you can kind of mix and match any and all of those. And obviously putting them all in one day after a super heavy intensity intensity workout, um, is optimal and will boost your recovery. Um, and one other thing I forgot to mention is, um, if you can use a foam roller or even like a tennis ball to roll out your muscles. I know there's muscle guns that some people use as well, um, but there's a lot of different levels to like kind of pricing and what you would want to do for that. But rolling out your muscles um, and getting rid of any built up lactic acid and kind of moving the muscle tissue around will help in recovery as well. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really interesting to hear all that you do. There's so many things that I feel like people overlook, but legs up the walls a personal favorite as well as I definitely love yeah. a good cold plunge. <laughs> I, they're so difficult when you're in it, but after you feel so good. And I know that like a lot of these things are, they seem kind of crazy um, as far as like, am I really going to like hop in a shower? Do I really need to go sit in a sauna? But they do have impacts um, and there are different ways, like I said, that you can do them at home. I would say like the main key things for recovery, and of course I didn't mention this one, hydration is huge as well. So make sure that you're getting enough water and electrolyte intake too. But if you had to pick, I would say sleep by far the most important. Then comes diet. So making sure you're getting enough protein in clean forms and then making sure that you're resting and that could potentially be, you know, putting your legs up on a wall and making sure you're getting your steps for the day. Um, those are probably the biggest ones. And then you can add in like the cold exposure, heat exposure, um, you know, all those additional items that I mentioned too. They, they can kind of be like ladder things, but you have to master the basics before you can move on. To talk a little bit about your pre-workout regimen, what is your stance on pre-workout powders and energy drinks? I think we're seeing a rise in items like Celsius and C4 trending in a way, and they are controversial, but we wanted to hear your thoughts and where you stand on those items. So like most things, and this is going to be kind of a common answer, it's really dependent on the person. Um, I personally think that Celsius and examples like C4, anything that's synthetic and has artificial ingredients is not worth it, regardless of the impact that it makes on your workouts. Um, it's not worth putting those ingredients in your body. There are a lot of other cleaner alternatives. And most of the time having like the example of a, of a banana and some nut or seed butter is actually going to serve you better than having caffeine because you'll, you'll hit a crash versus you'll use the fuel that that banana nut or seed butter gives you to have a better workout. Um, I don't think caffeine is bad though. And that's a stance that I take. Um, it actually has some great effects on the brain, on the body, um, in limited amounts. And at certain times of the day, I, one thing I'll say is don't consume caffeine or pre-workout things of that realm on an empty stomach. It's not great for hormone health. Um, it can cause those jitters and kind of anxiety, so that's one thing I would recommend. But as far as using them to enhance your workouts, if it helps you hit, if it helps you lift more, if it helps you run faster, if it helps you hit a personal benchmark, um, then use them. But I don't think that they should be something that's used every single workout because then you'll kind of build up a dependency. And then what happens, say, if you run out or you're 
visiting someone or you're on vacation, you don't have that. Does that mean you're not going to work out or you're going to feel more tired or um, it impacts your workouts? I, I would kind of recommend it as using it as more of like a one-off situation or when you really need it versus something that you're kind of like crutching to and you need to have. I totally agree about the tolerance that you can build up and then you might not be able to actually hit your personal best. You don't want to become reliant yeah, without on those items like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of where I stand with it. Like, you know, sometimes if I feel I want to have it, then great. I allow myself to, but it's again, something that I try to use more like situationally. Um, and again, that's, it's very dependent on the person, but if, you know, someone's coming to me, like what, with the people that I coach as well, um, I actually go the way of if you feel like you need to have it, you probably should stop it. And if you feel like you can work out without it, um, but it would boost you a little bit, then you can try it. That's a great answer and great point touching on the bio-individuality aspect as well. Can you talk about your transition from playing a D1 sport to your life after college? Yeah, so this is a great question. Um, College was very crazy for me, playing a D1 sport, and then I also was neuroscience pre-med. I didn't end up going the med school route. Um, So between you know, like my schedule was very crazy and I literally had like everything down to like the minute planned. Um, transitioning out of that, I had way more free time. Like I remember on Sundays, I used to be like, what am I supposed to do with myself? Like I'm so used to like having schoolwork to do, wanting to go out in the field and practice, like trying to go and shoot, like stuff like that. Like I literally had every minute planned. So I had a lot more free time and I wanted to make sure that I was using it wisely. So that's kind of why I took on a passion project of becoming a health coach and learning more about nutrition, getting really into fitness. It's always been a passion of mine, but I wanted to parlay that into working with people and helping them also see the benefits of health, nutrition, and fitness, essentially. Um, So that's kind of where my transition went there. I also think that you have a lot more freedom leaving a D1 sport and entering the real world. And sometimes that can be tough and sometimes that can be empowering. Um, Like I said, I kind of tried to fill my free time with things that I was passionate about and that made me better. Um, But I know sometimes people can fall into other ways of transitioning out of college, um, especially when you're kind of packed in with a, with a sport. Um, personally, I think that a lot of what I, the skills that I developed and the things that I learned being on a D1 sport actually helped propel me into my transition out of college. So I stayed super active because I kind of was already active. So I was looking for ways to continue Uh, moving my body and working out and whatnot. Um, I wanted to learn more about nutrition because, you know, that was something that was kind of lacking. So that actually helped me get into it. Um, I feel like I was successful in my job because of the different skills that I had to work on, you know, teamwork, um, time management, all of that stuff, all of those things that you have to be very, very good at to succeed at a D1 sport, they translate to the real world. So, um, my transition wasn't, it ended up being a very positive one. Um, and I think that playing a D1 sport set me up for success for my adult life. It really sounds like playing a college sport, like implemented that discipline and yeah. passion, honestly, for fitness and nutrition. I feel like I can honestly relate to that a little bit mm-hmm. as 
I grew up dancing and so I find like in my life now I'm very disciplined with like my time management skills are pretty great and I definitely enjoy like exercising and eating well because I was taught to do so through dance no for sure I I totally agree with you I think that and also having that foundation from being younger like I grew I played every single sport possible growing up um and so I kind of always was just like that's just what I did so I, I definitely agree with you Yeah, it's like ingrained in you. Yes, no, definitely. What are some of your short-term and long-term goals that can be personal, relative to fitness, your coaching business, et cetera? No, that's a great question. I'm all about goal setting. So like this, I I love this question. Um, So I would say what the future looks looks like for me in the short term is to continue building my health coaching business. Right now I do it part-time and I'm kind of taking clients um, either in like groups so I can help more people, but you know, it's not as personalized or with the personalized approach. Um, But ideally I'd like to open that up eventually to get more and more people and help more people. Um, It's just, you know, time only allows so many. Um, So definitely growing that potentially and even collaborating with other coaches. Um, I also think short-term goals for me personally, um, I've grown from the realm of using, like just working out because it was something you should do. Um, and even for like aesthetics to now, like I move my body for my health. I'm into fitness because I want to be strong. I want to have longevity and I want to live a long life, but also a life that you know, I'm able to do things for myself. I'm able to be around family, all of that. And all of that starts when you're younger. So it's kind of a short-term and long-term goal. Um, it's why I kind of am super into health and making sure that I stay regimented. Um, that's a personal goal. I think another goal is just getting as much information about health and wellness out to as many people as possible uh, because I'm in it like almost 24-7. I eat, sleep, and breathe, everything, health and wellness. And not everyone's like that, which all in good reason, everybody has different passions, but it's something that can apply to everyone. So getting that information that, you know, I'm ingesting every single day and getting that out to all other people so that they can make an impact on their life and make changes. That's definitely a big, again, short and long-term goal. And then um, a big long-term goal for me is potentially, you know, starting a wellness center or some way to impact people locally, but then potentially growing that to internationally and kind of not really sure exactly what that would look like yet, but it's definitely something that, you know, I put on my vision board and all of that. Um, That's definitely something I see. And then um, this is a very, I, I, this is a very, um, what's the right word? Uh, Challenging goal, but I'm, I've never run a marathon race before. And like I said, I'm very into running. Um, so I want to run my first marathon this year. And I and I have a, a big goal of running that sub three hours, um, which is which is tough. So I'm going to be training for that. I'm going to try and see if I can hit that. And then I have a lifetime goal of running a race in all 50 states. So those are some fun goals that, you know, um, hopefully I hit here. But yeah. Those are so great. Relevant to the marathon, Lydia and I have been talking recently that we would like to do Ooh. that at some point. So we'll see. Maybe we'll see yeah. you there. <laughs> yes. No, seriously. And I'm excited. We'll see. Like I said, sub three hours is, it's going to be tough, but it's one of those things where like, if I, I want to set a goal so that, because I think I could finish with the number of miles I run already. And so I want to make sure that I'm setting something that's just like a little challenging that if, you know, if I don't get it this time, then I like, know I can get it the next one. 
That's an awesome one. And you have Team Fig support all the way. Uh, thank you. Yeah, hopefully we can run the same marathon. That'd be so fun. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Any special messages? And if you also want to talk about how people can reach you to follow your content and learn more about what you're doing. Yeah, so I'd say one message that I would like to get across to anybody wherever they're at in their health and wellness journey, kind of, kind of period, um, would be start small and stay consistent. Those are probably the two biggest things. I think we underestimate what we can do in a year's time, but we overestimate what we can do in a week or even a month. You know, we think we can make these drastic changes and everything has to change overnight, but small, consistent changes actually will lead to long-term success. So that's definitely one thing that I'm adamant about. And I think that more people should hear. Um, So that's my little tip there. Um, a little goes a long way. And then as far as my accounts, I'm at be well with Bella underscore on Instagram, TikTok, and um, Twitter is without the underscore is what didn't have enough characters, but everywhere I'm at be well with Bella underscore. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you today. Ireland and I are so impressed by your account. We love following Thank everything you. you post. So it was great to like virtually meet you. Yes, I'm so happy to have connected and to have gotten this together.